Tad Stahl describes himself as just a middle-class dude raising a family in Indiana. And that's true, but it really leaves out just a little bit. Now, back in his mid-50s a few years ago, he took on a new challenge by following his adult sons into racing go-karts. And so what started out as just a, a weekend hobby with his boys has really grown into a family event, all documented on their regular YouTube channel. And I've been wanting to have Tad on the show for a while now to really talk about those three things. You know, taking on new and often humbling challenges later in life, keeping those family relationships front and center, even as all kids are now adults themselves and setting off on their own lives. That's something I really haven't talked about on the show and yet is a really, really important subject. And becoming YouTube famous, at least in his corner of YouTube. Now, any one of those things is challenging, and yet he's managed to bring them all together and combine them in a, in a very authentic and seemingly effortless way of, as he describes himself, just a middle-class dude raising a family. Now, if this episode resonates for you, please share it with others. And if you would, leave a quick review over at lovethepodcast.com slash midlifemastery. That really lets me know what you enjoy about the show so I can make it even better for you. And it helps others learn about the show and discover it. And we ha now have listeners in 60 countries and continue to grow. But it's primarily from the word of mouth, from your sharing, and from the reviews that you write. So thank you for that. Now, are you ready to play bigger in midlife? Tad's got some great ideas on it. So let's get started. Really excited for today's episode. I have Tad Stahl, and this, this one's a little bit different because if you follow me on Instagram, you know I got into racing carts. When I was first looking into getting into racing carts, I came, I always look on YouTube. That's what people do, right? You pick up a new hobby, you go to Google, you go to YouTube, and came across a YouTube channel called Stall Racing. And a lot of things stood out. Before I get into all the things I do want to talk about, because I want to talk about new hobbies later in life, talk about being connected to adult kids, something I haven't covered on the podcast, but is really interesting to me. Living a publicish life on the internet. We'll just go from there. So, Ted, I haven't really introduced you. How do you introduce yourself? Well, it's not with much fanfare, typically. You know, I'm just a middle-class dude in Indiana, raising a family. I, I work in cybersecurity. can see the end of the road there. Not near the end of the road, but I can see it. And raising a, raising a family, getting ready for my last one to get married, just kind of a an average guy that happens to have a son that's pretty good at editing, editing YouTube videos. So we've got a vlog going and that's how you met me. Well, and you guys have, have been doing the, the vlog for, for a while now. And, and by the way, he does have fantastic editing skills because one of the things that stands out is uh, there are a lot of montage scenes that you don't see in other YouTube videos, you know, just, and it just captures to me the essence of being at the track and being with family. And, you know, just little snips, kid here, getting the cart ready here, family around. It's like I say, it's something that most people don't do, and it provides a really cool vibe for it. And so how did you get into karting? Like, like I mean, like me, you came into it later in life. And, you know, what, what brought you to this new hobby? Yeah, you know, it's uh it's a bit of a story. I mean, first we've we've always been racing fans and we live here uh, on the northeast side of Indianapolis, so we go to the Indy 500 every year, family tradition, but that's really what we were was observers and and my youngest son, he had had on his uh, list for ages. Every Christmas he wanted to go kart and every year he woke up disappointed 
And I had just never really even approached it with my wife because I didn't think it was was possible that she would want anything to do with that. And so one day I'm sitting on the front porch and I have I have two kids from a first marriage and two kids from a second marriage. And the boys, the youngest and the oldest, are nine years apart. And I, I think the youngest drew the short straw and he came out to me. I was sitting on the front porch. And he says, hey, dad, we're, uh, Casey and I are going to buy a cart. <clears throat> and I said, oh, no, you're you're not. And he's like, well, he, he didn't really say it like this, but I'm 18 now and you can't stop me and we're going to do it. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what, you go in and you get approval from your mother and I'll, I'll go along with it. And I figured, you know, this wasn't going to go well. 30 seconds later, he's out there. She's fine with it. We're going to go get it tomorrow. And I thought, man, we could have been racing a lot earlier than this if we'd have known that. So, you know, so one of those things where my wife and I hadn't exactly communicated, I figured she'd see racing, Indy cars, you know, the wrecks that happened there and, and be against it. But anyway, uh, the boys got started and they shared everything. We, we raced at Newcastle and, you know, it was kind of, uh, we had one cart, they would each race a different class. And it was very interesting to see. We had one racing suit. So on a hot day, you could go by our pit and see the thing inside out, drying out in the wind before the next one had to wear it. And But they loved it. And, and I loved being a part of it. And over the winter, I think we got three or four races in that first year. Over the winter, they decided they wanted to race each other, which I wasn't crazy about. I, I enjoyed them doing their own thing and everybody cheering for, you know, the driver that was in the race, but they wanted to, uh, to race each other. So they bought another cart. And then to be fair, they, they would trade the old cart with the new cart between them each weekend and probably six or seven races into that next year, they um, came to me and they said, Hey dad, there's another cart, just like the one we like for sale, but we really can't afford to buy it. And I, the, probably the dumbest thing I've ever said in retrospect, I just think I'm being a helping dad. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll pay you what you paid for that original cart. I'll buy it from you and I'll race it. And I mean to tell you, once I said that and realized it and it kind of sunk in, I realized that was just not the right thing. You know, that was that was a stupid thing to do, a stupid thing to say. But that's how the carting started. And, <laughs> you know, it, it seems like in my life, I, I'm not a lucky guy. I'm never going to win a lottery. I'm blessed, but I'm not lucky. And we, we get me out and the boys have been, you know, showering me with attention. And we go to the first practice. I get in the cart, warm up the tires, and I'm heading down this long straightaway where uh, you can get up to 58 miles an hour. And I'm heading down there and I wasn't doing 58, but I was going pretty good. And I had no brakes. And so, you know, I go sliding into the grass and, and didn't have a lot of confidence after that, you know, turn one, no brakes, not a good start. And so from there, it just seemed like, you know, got back out and practiced. You could have called me the carousel. I spun so much and, and it, it just got worse in the first race. I got got lapped twice uh, because I was spun. And so a 12 lap race, I finished 10 of them. And I spent more time trying to get out of people's way than I did trying to drive my own race. And, and after that, I just wondered, what did I get into here? And it really, it, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't scared of the racing. I wasn't scared of being close to people, but it really bothered me to be that far off the pace. 
And it surprised me because I thought it would be easy. I, I raced the kids at Myrtle Beach in Florida on the, on the, uh, you know, the, the recreational amusement tracks there. But when all of a sudden you have to use that brake pedal in addition to the gas pedal, it seemed to complicate things. And I had an incredible <laughs> time adjusting. So it took me quite a while. And, and it, it, it went from the thing where I enjoyed going and helping them and watching them to I hated going to the racetrack. I was just so off the pace. And it, it there was a point where I almost gave it up and and, you know, I kind of looked at the boys and I didn't want them to see me as a quitter, but probably more than anything, I just didn't want to see myself as a quitter. And I stuck with it and slowly started to get better. And, and now, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's great to go and watch them, but it's also great to hop in the seat and go see what I can do. So I've kind of fallen in love with it here over time. All started with a bad decision though. There's been a lot of times where I think, why wasn't pickleball popular a few years earlier? I think you hit on something there to that makes it so difficult to take on new hobbies, you know, in, in midlife. And there's so many things that through life experience, we're pretty good at, but when we take on something new, we, we become the total beginner again. And I mean, that's hard on the ego. It's hard on, well, if you get into something expensive, it's hard on the wallet, it takes up a lot of time. And, and, you know, I think that can be really frustrating for, for a lot of people and, and whatever it is. I mean, like we're talking about go-karting. We've had guests on that talk about taking up like ice climbing in, in midlife, which just blows my yeah. mind. Cause, cause I hate heights, but, <laughs> but something so different and being around, well, I mean, they were around people who were, were very experienced climbers and you start comparing yourself and right. you know what, you know, like not, not only to your peers, but you mentioned comparing yourself to your kids. Like, yeah, I've always been faster than them. And how do you go about getting past that? Cause I mean, you mentioned we're not talking about like I had a bad weekend. You're talking about like, this is, this is a process. <laughs> yeah, it's a process, but it was a nightmare to start with. And I think, you know, I, I look at my grandson, we've only got one and he's three and, and there's a lot of times where he doesn't want to do things now. Right. But he's got the encouragement and there's an authority figure there to keep encouraging him and say, yes, you're going to go play this T-ball game and we're going to do it no matter what. And and probably the thing about that we face now with where we're at, it's easy to not do it. We make our own decisions now. And so you've got to be able to look deep inside and 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 see if it's for you and and it's it's maybe hard to give it a really fair chance. And you know, there there's a lot of people, it would be like me ice climbing. I, I I'd try that once, but I'm probably not gonna do it again. And go-karting would be the same way. So I, I think the the key thing is find something that you don't mind the process with, right? And one of the things that really helped us with carding was the boys were good out of the box. So we had a reason to go and see them. And that that really helped. And for me, the the one thing that I, I didn't realize that I'd like to be this guy that says, you know, I've got a void in my life in midlife and I'm going to go fill it with go-kart racing, but it really didn't work that way. And I don't know whether it was determination or, or I said earlier, I'm not lucky, but maybe in this case, I just did get lucky, you know, because if, if the boys weren't going out and racing, I wouldn't have gone back out. Probably. I just wouldn't have done it. It was that miserable for me, but 
I stuck with it. And there was something inside of me that says, Tad, you're not a quitter. I'm not going to quit at this until I have some degree of success. So, so there were some things that surrounded me that, that helped me, but I don't know that you know, any two situations would ever be the same. When we, when you get to this stage in life, it's one of those things where it worked out well for me, but I could see a lot of things that, that I wouldn't stick with maybe to the degree I did. I, I, the point I was, was going to make was I did realize after the fact that, you know, when I was younger, I played stick and ball sports, basketball, baseball, um, softball and stuff. And, and then when the kids came along, I coached their teams, was very involved. And then when they went out, did, did a little bit of rec league stuff, but I realized there at some point I went from this competitive participant to just an observer. I just, you know, we, we, I'd play cards with the guys, play a little poker every once in a while, go fishing. And those things were fun, but it wasn't really the competitive sport that I'd had younger in life. And I did realize after a while here in go-karting that I had that back, you know, I'm not good. I run mid pack, but at the end of the day, you know, there, there's 24 carts out there and I finish 16th and I'm frustrated because I want to win, right? I, I'm not going to, but I want to. And I'm a little frustrated because I know if I finish 16th, I could have had 14th, could have had 12th if a couple things would have went right. But at the end of the day, I can look and say, you know what? You were out there. You did it. You, you, weren't, you weren't just standing there watching the boys. You were out there. You had the the heart rate up. And, and so in that way, it's really rewarding. And I've kind of kept my eye on open for other things where I can do something similar that I'm not just a, just an observer of life, uh, which I'm an introverted guy. So it's really easy for me to settle for that type of stuff. And I got to get out of my comfort zone a little bit. Carding did that. And, and, you know, I should learn from that lesson, (laughs) maybe better than I have. You know, I'm very introverted as well, and I relate to so much there. One, the the competition. So I did not grow up playing stick and ball sports, but I did grow up racing motorcycles and then bicycles. And I realized I was missing that in my life, just the, the competition. That competition, that pushing yourself and, I don't know, just the, the thrill and frustration of it. There, there There's something there. And, and I know there, there are lots of hobbies like this where there is, I mean, for me, there is kind of this beautiful frustration of chasing perfection that, that will never happen, right? Like, you, you right. know, measuring it in, in this case, in this context, in tenths of a second. And, but, you know, other things measure it differently, but just, I don't know. That there's something that I, I find very, very satisfying, at least in, in this stage of life that I realized I've been missing. I'd gotten away from it. I've had other guests that talk about feeling like they forgot who they were. Just you, you start raising kids, you get focused on career. And you know, when you're 20, you're always thinking about who you are. At 50 and beyond, you've just spent 20, 30 years thinking about other people and (laughs) trying to be what you need to be for them. So I I realized, you know, there isn't a question at the end of that, Tad. It was really just a reaction. One of the things that you said, and I tell this, you know, we work with cybersecurity government programs that are just getting started and and, and go-karting and maybe even midlife is kind of like this in my book. I, I, I tell them, 
you know, when you when you go to start your cybersecurity program, you are standing right in front of a mountain and you're going to look up at that mountain and it looks really high, but you've got to climb it. Right. And, and it's kind of the same way with go karting. And the thing is, you start up that mountain, you take step after step, you do it for three or four years, the same way with cybersecurity. And I told him, you're going to look up and the top of that mountain is going to look as far away as it did when you started. But the but the cool thing is when you look down, you see how far you've come. And that's that's one of those things that if you never take that first step in, in those things, you don't get to experience that journey. And, it, it, you know, life is in the in the journey. That's kind of something you hear a lot. But that was words of wisdom from my grandma. And she couldn't have been more right. And and, you know, the, the thing I notice about the journey is I'm in the oldest I'm I'm the oldest person in my kart racing class. I'm in the master's class. And if we're racing 26 people, I'm coming in anywhere from 14th to 26th. And uh, But usually I call myself a mid-pack racer. The thing that I've noticed is I, I still, you know, I haven't given up on winning, but I really enjoy the fact that I'm racing back there for 16th. I'm not, I'm not giving somebody uh, 16th, you know, unless they can come and take it. And I'm looking to take 15th. And, and part of that is to be able to enjoy the success that you can have and, and come off the track. It, if, if I had to win every time, I wouldn't do it. But my, my enjoyment of the racing of the wheel to wheel, you know, it scares the crap out of me sometimes when, when you go in and side by side, wheel to wheel and, and see people spinning in front of you and stuff like that. But it's also exhilarating. And you kind of get this sense of, you know, there is some skill out here. I'm not the greatest, but I am, I'm, I'm doing all right sometimes, you know? So, but the thing I've wondered is if being in the oldest age of that class next year, I'm eligible to go up to another one. And in some ways I'm looking forward to it because I should have more positional success next year, but there's a side of me that just says, you've got unfinished work here uh, in the master's class and you got to go get it done. Now, the truth is I'm never going to get that done, but in that mountain, I, I, I'm not so sure I don't want to keep, keep on that path for a little bit longer. <laughs> kind of well, corny, but no, I love, I love the analogy, uh, the finish line that the top of the mountain still looks far, but it's amazing how far we've come. I mean, you know, that, that like applies to everything in life, I think. Well, I'm going to shift gears here a little bit. And like I said at the beginning, one of the things that I found most interesting was just how connected you were to your adult kids and that sense of family. And as you mentioned, you know, this is through adult kids through two marriages. And I don't think that's something you see much. I just don't know that I've seen people combine them quite so well. Like you mentioned, your boys were working together, even though, you know, they're years apart. <laughs> different moms. I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's a secret to the success there, but, but it's pretty impressive. And so what, yeah, what, what has made that possible? What have you done that has helped create those relationships that have lasted well into life? Well, you know, that's, um, it was, it, it's probably, you know, keeping the adult kids part of our life, which is important to us is really just kind of a continued evolution of what happened when they were younger. And, you know, I, I put them in an unfortunate circumstance. So I was going to try and make it 
as good as possible. And I had grown up in a similar environment where my mother had four kids, two from one father, two from another. And we were uh, distant in age as well. And my mom did a lot of terrific things, but that it was a difficult challenge and for us all to stay close. And, you know, when we were close until mom passed away and she was kind of that anchor. And since then, you know, it's not a changing of love or feeling for them. I'd still do anything for them, but we're further apart. Everybody's busy on Thanksgiving. Everybody's busy on Christmas. And those times that we used to all come together for mom, we don't, we just don't do anymore. And so I don't know that I would say we're not as close as we once were, but we certainly don't get together like we once did. And those were great times. I mean, we, we had a lot of fun. And so kind of looking at that dynamic, I, you know, we set out on a, a mission to be a single family. You know, I don't, my, my kids don't call each other half brother, half sister, anything like that. It's their brother and their sister. And, and the, the greatest thing that has, without a doubt, that was my mission to, to see that kind of a family unit, but it wouldn't have happened without my wife. And so she's a mom to two and a stepmom to the other two. And without a doubt, she was the most important ingredient in that. And she pulled it off to a T and just allowed us to do the things that we do. And, you know, thank you for the compliment on the vlog. The vlog allows us to show it and and we have a lot of fun doing it. And that's that's the one thing that and and that really the credit there goes to the kids because you know I just I just put the clay out there and they turn it into art. I I you know we may take a vacation and say hey we're gonna be going who's going with us and and usually they all make it a point to go or you know find some even before inflation hit if I could find some meat on sale I'd say hey I'm gonna toss it on the grill tonight and and all four would usually find a way to get there. And, if you know, the, the cool thing is if we can give them those opportunities, I think because of the work we put in beforehand, it, it has, has made that kind of family dynamic be a priority for them. And, uh, you know, the girls are close, the boys are close, and then they're, uh, you know, the girls are, are, close with their brothers as well. So it is, uh, it's a really a tight knit group. And and I guess my hope is that, you know, one of these days when my time is done, that they continue to get together without me there. And, and the laughter that I hear today, I hope they continue. And it's, it's always important to them. It'll be, it'll be, you know, it'll, it'll be a challenge because the more you get kids, the, the more, you know, it just kind of filters down into that nuclear unit. But I think we've done all we can to lay that groundwork and uh, hopefully they never, never grow apart. Well, you would, yeah, you, you would never know that, you, you know, it, it was separate families at all, just that the, the relationships, the way people interact, it just comes across like, you know, a group of people that, that grew up together. It's it's a it's an interesting group because we've got some that uh, you know if you watch the vlog you know who the brash and confident one is and then you've got the the one that's a little more humble and the heart and soul but yet they kind of as much as they're different they will go at each other in a in a nice competitive way but it's it's very interesting to see you know there there is no bigger fan out there for the brother than 
the other brothers. He's watching them race. There is no doubt who's in their corner, but they come about it very differently. You know, the oldest one, and maybe that's just part of being the oldest brother, he's more nurturing. He's more overlooking of mistakes and he's more picking up of the younger brother when he's maybe had a bad race and and the younger brother when the when the when the big brother comes off the race track and hasn't had a good race he shoots it to him straight you were slow out there why did you do this you know and 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 it just works it wouldn't work for you know if, if both of them had the personality of the youngest they they I don't know that we'd have this family dynamic that we're fortunate to have <laughs> so it works everybody kind of plays their part one of the things I did I just want to discuss is kind of this public public-ish life on the internet. You know, now now with social media, we all live public-ish lives on the internet, but but you do it more than more than many. And seem to do it in kind of a very authentic way. But one of the things that, that I appreciate about the vlog is it never has a feel that you're chasing algorithm. It it, it never has the feel of being sensational or sensationalist. It comes across as very, very honest. I just, I guess I'm kind of curious because one of the things is like in reality shows, people talk about each other, but they never see the finished product until the end when it's all disbanded and they've all gone their separate ways. But you all have this ongoing relationship. You will have conversations about each other to the camera. And yet knowing that everyone is going to see this at some point, how, how do you balance that line out there? Yeah, you know, we 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 started off just on a whim, just shooting a practice that we went out on and we had had a lot of fun. We had just done race videos, which is pretty common in the racing business. Not a lot of go-kart drivers or editors and uh, video editors and and you know, so you just put on your your 12 lap race and 55 people watch it and and we came, actually, it was my daughter-in-law that had an idea. Hey, why don't you take your camera out there and make a little vlog? And we did, and we had a lot of fun doing it. And, you know, very few ground rules. But I guess the ground rules kind of follow what we do at the track. I mean, so if we're involved in an accident, one of the rules I've had for the boys since they started was you go and you apologize. You know, it it, it doesn't mean you weren't you weren't doing it on purpose, but you cause that you go straight up and you talk to them because that's the kind of family we want to be out at the track. And I, I think that it contributes to, you know, it may contribute to some better decisions that if you know, you've got that kind of responsibility, you race hard, but, but they don't race stupid. And so that has kind of bled over into the vlog in that, Hey, we are who we are. We're mostly a G-rated family to a PG-rated family. Occasionally, when something goes wrong, you might dip into another area. But let's let's be who we are, but let's be the best of who we can be in front of that camera because we're really trying to just put a, a good face on the sport. People that like go-kart racing can see it from a family standpoint. It it maybe could be bigger if we did it another way. And, and, you know, you talk about the algorithm. I, I asked my son who does the editing one time, I said, you know, do you want to come up with a game plan this year to, to see what we can do, trying and grow subscribers, trying and grow hits and incorporate more interesting things. And, and I, you know, even to the point where I'm the, I'm kind of the, the anchor 
on the the vlog and by the anchor i mean the guy that sinks it because the boys are always racing up front and if you look at the interest their racing footage is always really good and interesting and a lot of people turn in for that racing footage and and we could have switched the vlog around to really focus on them the cart prep for them maybe gone a little more technical and and casey he told me he said dad that's not what we're doing it for he said the way i view these vlogs we're doing them so that your grandkids can watch these someday and see how our family has evolved over time and so I said, okay, sold. We'll just do it. We'll go out. We'll be ourselves. And we're not going to worry about, you know, YouTube dollars or anything like that. And we do make a, enough off of the YouTube channel this year to buy maybe half of a video camera. So, you know, <laughs> our pockets aren't getting lined in a big way, but we have a heck of a lot of fun doing it. And, you know, I'm proud of my family and everything on there is live. And uh, it's not quite Mayberry RFD, but it's maybe a modern Mayberry RFD. <laughs> so it's it's good and it's it's real. And and the thing I like too is we we've got the three guys that race, but the the women in the family are just as big a part of it. There's a lot of downtime at the track. They're right there with us. We're cutting up. In fact, our vlog would be a lot better if we had some way to capture the video of just the natural banter that goes on that we don't catch when we have to hit the on button. You know, we just don't catch a lot of that stuff, but the, the, you know, it, it's so cool. Some of the, my favorite footage is when my daughter Madison will take the camera and they'll be standing and they'll, Casey will, will play the footage of them watching the last race or last lap of a race where the boys have a chance to win and you hear them screaming, right? And and they're just cheering as loud as they can. And and that's what the family's all about. That probably is what maybe you remember. And they're just they're just all about it. And and so it, it I just couldn't be happier about it. It's it's a really enjoyable experience for us. To me, that really stands out because there are a lot of people trying to be influencers. There are a lot of people <laughs> who are influencers, you know, that are making living on the internet and all that. It seems like many of them hit a point where they chase the algorithm so hard that they've come down to like this one narrow band of what the computer said was popular. And it becomes very tedious and very boring after a while, or it becomes inauthentic. And one of the things that, anyway, one of the things that I noticed is like you mentioned, it's not just race footage. And, you know, so the show Top Gear, you know, from, from England, with the three Jeremy Clarkson, James May, and Richard Hammond, um, I remember reading once that you know fifty percent of their viewers were women. It's a car show with three guys, and you know my daughter grew up loving that show because it wasn't really about cars. It was much more about three people having fun together in the context of cars. And at least that's how I took it. Anyway, I, I see a lot of parallels there, and I, I don't see many people operating in the space in the way that you're operating. In fact, I can really only think of one other. And one of the things that it does share is just the joy and the fun of getting out and doing what you love. And I think we forget about that on social media sometimes. Like we, we get so busy trying to document it that we forget we actually enjoy it. Yeah. 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 You know, I, my wife and I vacationed uh, last year, we went to Sedona and, you know, beautiful, lot of great places to take photos. And there were several people that, you know, that they were so focused on getting the right photo for wherever they were posting it that 
they really missed the moment that they were trying to capture in the photo. It was this really weird thing. <laughs> yeah, that that's a really good point. And, you know, that's what is, I always look forward when we do the, when Casey said the vlog is up, because in the moment, in the, the point of the weekend, when you're doing some of that stuff, or maybe they've done something and I wasn't around it's just really cool to kind of look and see how they interacted or, or have my own laugh out loud at something they've done and just, just kind of take it in and, and realize, you know, this, this is, even if it's just for us, it's pretty cool. And, and the nice thing is it has been rewarding. We've had, you know, we, it's not a big vlog, but we've had several people, uh, you know, uh, in, like the nice things you've said, come up to us and say, hey, I get frequently, you know, my dad and I used to cart together. I'm going to look to see if I can't get back in that and spend it with my son because we had so much fun doing that together. Or, you know, the, the, you, your family kind of allowed us to get into this. And one of them was in kid carts and, and another one was a kid that was 24 with his dad who was, you know, in his forties and it's all across the board. And to think, well, that's kind of cool. Now, maybe they're not happy with us because they just poured a bunch of money into the cart and, and wish they hadn't watched the channel because it can be a money pit. But on the other hand, if you get out there and, and you enjoy the time together and you enjoy the people at the track, um, you know, it's not going to be for everybody, but boy, if it is for you, you're going to love it. One of the guys said it best last week. He said, I came in, you know, with inflation, I'm complaining about $4 and 50 cent a gallon milk and $8 bacon. But he says, I walk up to the go-kart shop and, and I asked for this little ball bearing or part for the go-kart. And he says, yeah, that, that little thing will be 80 bucks. And he says, I tell him to give me two, I might need a backup. And that's just kind of the way you look at go-karting. It's all about where your priorities are. And you'll pay outrageous money for these little parts because you love it and then go complain about the milk. So, um, you know, it's it's a special thing. And the vlog makes it special. It kind of brings it all together for us and and allows us to participate with each other. And it kind of drives some of that, you know. I think it's good to kind of have a little bit of an agenda as we go out there because you know what? I do a morning walk, uh, so I have to go out and, and do that at some point and, and get geared up and, and think about, you know, what's what we might include theme-wise in the, in the vlog that week. So I don't know. We're just having a lot of fun. There's a couple different categories of guests that, that I have on this show. And what, one is kind of the, the experts. You know, they, they, they've probably written a book. They, they may have studied things on like, how do you do midlife well? Because that's why I started this. I'm trying to figure out like, how do I do midlife well? And then there's also those who are just really living a great midlife. I love to have both types of guests on and you definitely stand out as someone who is just living a really great midlife. And I, I love the inspiration that, that comes out of that. Well, I appreciate it. And, and you know, I've, I've listened to your podcast and I'm, I'm definitely, as you say, in that category, I'm not much of an inspirational person. Uh, I'm not going to probably trigger somebody to go out and adopt something that's going to maybe change their life for the better, but hopefully, you know, the, the enthusiasm can spill over for, for maybe those that are sharing the great life with me or, or maybe having some trouble and looking to capture it. it. There's, you know, there's people in so many different situations at this point in our life, 
and things change so fast that you just kind of have to enjoy it while you've got it because there are no, there's no guarantee. It's, it's crazy. The things that the, the way I've seen, you know, as you get older, uh, it just becomes more and more common to see life turn on a dime for people. And you never know uh, when that might be you and your family. So just trying to get out there and, and take advantage of the good times while we can. Well, you know, some people seem to get kind of embittered as they get older. Life kind of wears them down and, and others seem to go the other way. And they're able to kind of pause and, and take the joys from life and appreciate those joys. As we wrap up, Tad, I mean, you mentioned your, your, your grandson's, what, three years old now? Yeah. And so what, what kind of legacy are, are you hoping to, to leave your, your grandson? Oh, you know, I don't have any, anything big. When, when I was a kid, uh, my dad died when I was seven. And my mom was was terrific, but she got tremendous support from my grandma and grandpa and my aunt and uncle. And, and it really kind of probably built in an understanding of, of what it takes that I've been able to apply as I've gone on. But my grandma and grandpa were so instrumental in my life that when I look at that three-year-old, I think, you know what? If there's one thing I can do, I, I will never be as good a grandpa to him as my grandpa was to me, but I'm going to try. And if I can, if I can just do half that, the legacy I would have would be building something that, that he can draw from to build his character and just know that somebody loved him deeply. And, and, and I, that's about all I hope for. And I intend to do that. <laughs> Well, for, you know, for, for those that are, that are interested and want to reach out to you, want to learn more, what, what's the best place to find you? Well, probably the best thing, best place to find us is at the Stall Racing Vlog on YouTube. If you just type in S-T-A-H-L Racing on YouTube, you'll see our, our videos come up. I think we're in the, I don't even remember how many videos we've got, but look at one of the, the last two or three and, and take a look at it and see what we've talked about here. And, you know, it's, if you like it, watch it. If not, move back to the Kardashians or something else. <laughs> well, Ted, it has been fantastic having you on. Like I said, I've been wanting to get you on for a while. I'm really excited we were able to make it happen. So thank you so much. <laughs> 